Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome back to Know Your Enemy every Wednesday night here on Behind the Steel Curtain. We look at the upcoming opponent for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're doing that again. This week, the Steelers are facing the Detroit Lions with me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just ready to pick Jeremy's Big, beautiful mind about the Lions. Get some inside information that'll help the Steelers be victorious. There we go. All right, I'm, I, as always, I forgot my name here. I'm uh, I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. And with us, as Shannon pointed out, is Jeremy Raceman. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I got to match the energy here, so I got to get going here. I'm, 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 I'm excited, too. I'm finally getting the end of the preseason here, and now reg- regular football's right around the corner here. And we only got a couple of weeks coming up. Yeah. Now you have the Lions have obviously been a center of attention. Yeah. Because of their presence on hard knocks. What are your thoughts overall? Have you enjoyed the the hard knocks process? Are you glad the team has had this exposure? And do you think it's good for the team? Oh yeah, no, no question about it. I'm I'm the kind of guy that always wants the behind the scenes stuff. So even when things are bad, like I want to see all of it. So I've been I've been crazy for hard knocks ever since it started for them to finally come to Detroit and I don't think they could have come at a at a better time um, in terms of just the charisma, the culture that is in Detroit right now. It, it's infectious. You know, I, I was just scrolling through uh, the the Instagram comments of just you know a, a Dan Campbell speech that that they, that Hard Knocks threw on Instagram, and it's, it's everyone's just like, man, I'm really rooting for. I'm you know the Lions aren't my team, but I'm you know they're they're America's team now. I I really hope he works out in in Detroit because I love Dan Campbell, and it's just like, yeah, like that. That has to be considered good PR. That maybe maybe that's even you know good recruiting for free agents. That that might be pushing it a little too far, but at the same time, like word gets around that when when thing when players are having fun, when when the environment is good, and and you you have this coaching staff full of former players that know how to get the most out of their players. Well, I mean, how how can that not be attractive to a free agent? It, it can only be good, and and luckily we're we're one of the good hard knock seasons where it's not like oh look at this dumpster fire that's happening. It's oh the lines are doing something kind of interesting here, and the players seem to dig it. Oh, I've been watching. I've I've been enjoying it. Um, <clears throat> how long have you, I'm doing, I'm putting you on the spot? Sure. How long have you been a fan? I mean, I, I was born and raised in, in Michigan in, in the Detroit metro area. So mm-hmm. born and bred, I'm, I'm I'm 36 years old now. So I guess you could say 36 years. 
Well, cool, cool. <laughs> now, here's the quick, you know, Dan Campbell, you know, he's just still in the show. Everybody's mm-hmm. enjoying it. He's coming in. He has to change the culture yeah. of a team that's not only not won a Super Bowl, they have never been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, and they find unique ways every year to lose games. Yeah. And, and, and he realizes that. So the week prior to the preseason game, they'd lost eight preseason games in a row. Yeah. And he, you know, so preseason, most time you don't care that much unless you're the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, <laughs> you won 27 in a row, whatever. <laughs> but he was like, we got to win the game. Yeah. I mean, at the end of that, of last night's show, you've seen how badly they wanted that. Yeah. And, but the week prior, they had a chance to win and ball, the quarterback fumbled the snap. And then the defense, he back Lewis, I think he was like a seventh round pick. Yeah. Uh, trying to make the team. He dropped in the interception. Both of them would have probably sealed the game. hundred percent. You know, I'm thinking, okay, what's he going to say? Well, at the beginning of the show, he's like, you know, these are the kind of things we've done in the past that's caused us to, you know, lose games. Mm-hmm. We've dominated the time of possession. We've done all this, but so I like how he handled that. Yeah. You know, he handled that in a way that he's saying this is not acceptable, but, you know, we're going to move past this and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. You said it yourself. Tomlin walks that line uh, that I think Campbell's trying to do. I mean, he used to be the ex-player. He's a huge dude. As the guy said, he's like Hulk Hogan, but, but he, uh, he, he, he's walking that line very well. Um, I have a feeling that, that all you're hearing about in the area is just he's everybody loves him. I'm sure. Oh, no, no question about it. Everyone, everyone is, is really excited. And and listen, like when you have such a, a charismatic guy, such a boisterous guy, who's, who's doing a lot of, you know, he's bringing pants to a team meeting and shaking it out and like doing all that stuff. Like that can go two ways, right? Like a lot of times people say, Oh, that's corny. This guy's a clown. Like, and, and listen, if the Lions don't win football games, that's what the narrative is going to be. That's the danger of having someone that's the face of your franchise that has such a big personality. But everything seems to be headed in the right direction in terms of football. Like, I know they only won three games last year, but they finished three and three down the stretch. It was it was an improvement. And, and a good chunk of that improvement came when Dan Campbell decided to take over play calling. And, you know, he gets this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of mo of just being an emotional guy a, a meathead whatever you want it's also pretty smart at football like tight ends are very smart at the game they have to do so much that they have to know so much about what happens in a football game so you know with with the attitude with like the the former player with the the respect that he shows his players and that that's the huge one right he's he knows how to respect his players around him he knows how to push them without being disrespectful um, you, you can see how much his players matter to him. I think one of the most telling scenes in Hard Knocks so far came in the very first episode where they go live tackling. The first day of padded practice, they go live tackling. The practice doesn't go how he likes it. At the end, he pulls everyone in and he says, listen, I know you guys think I'm crazy that we're going live tackling right off the mm-hmm. bat, but I'm doing this because I care about you guys. You guys need to trust me. Nearly in tears telling them, listen, we need to be this physical right off the bat so that we are ready when the regular season comes and, and we can hit the ground running rather than you know acclimating in week six week seven when the season's already done so i i just think that that human touch he has with the players to just like let them know he's doing this all for them it's yeah. not it, there's, there's no egos in the room he's not trying to be the smartest guy in the room he's doing it to put his players in the best position to succeed so that they can win football games and so and so they can cash in you mentioned all the former players as coaches yeah. uh 
One of the stars of of Hard Knocks is Ben Deuce Staley, yeah. who was an integral part of the Steelers <laughs> in 2004, Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season. Of course, mm-hmm. you have Antoine Randall, who threw that absolutely gorgeous touchdown in yeah. Detroit to win to win the Super Bowl for the Steelers. How is this working out? I mean, you've got you got Mark Brunel, Aaron Glenn, you've got a lot of former players. And when when this coaching staff was being formulated, it kind of sounded to me like Dan Campbell was hearing all these people say, you know, about how there's so many players, and then all these players don't get into coaching. Like, where why aren't these players getting into coaching? And Dan Campbell was like, All right, I'll give you guys a shot. Is it working out? Because it seems, it seems to be really interesting. It seems like the culture is fantastic, partly because of that. Sure. Uh, how do how do you see it internally? It, it's a really interesting thought experiment, and and we won't. I, I can't say right now for sure it's working. It's not working because the Lions are such a really young roster that coaching is going to really really matter, and we're probably going to find out one or two year one or two years down the line whether this whole thing worked. But when you're when you're such a bad team and you know you're going to lose a lot of games. <clears throat> the one thing that could easily happen is that the coaches lose the trust, right? They, they, I mean, if, if you're not winning games, it's simple. Like the players can very much turn on the coaches, but if those coaches have 10 years of experience playing football, well, suddenly they come with a lot more trust right off the bat. Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. much harder, I think, to lose that trust in a guy like Hank Fraley, a guy who was a 10 year center in this league or, or, or all the guys you would mentioned, if, if they've gone and done it before, then, then that their opinion is going to carry a lot more weight, especially when those tough times come, when the wins don't come, because they know how to get out of those funks. And and I think I think that is is absolutely crucial right now in these first couple of years of the rebuild here that they they maintain that level of trust with their coaching staff. So I think in that sense it was a really really smart move. Now in terms of making their players better, like I said, that's something we we kind of have to see down the road. But it, I think in the short term it's a really kind of savvy move just to make sure that the coaching staff is not losing the players in any sort of way. And they, and they haven't. I thought that the lines that Hutchinson is just a great pick, just mm-hmm. a great selection. I thought he should have went number one. And uh, I was shocked when Jacksonville took Walker uh, because I thought Hutchinson, he's got a, he kind of reminds me of the Boses. He kind of got a little bit of what in him. I mean, you just watch him and, he's just such a natural fluid athlete. And as a pass rusher, he wins that rep. Now he might yeah. not get the sack, but he wins that rep. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys you can say that about, but the biggest thing is he wanted to be there. You know, it's hard to yeah. get guys to say, Hey, I want to go to Detroit. Now, contrary to that was Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama. If you seen him at the, the, <laughs> the initial press conference, he looked like somebody died in his family. <laughs> you know, he, he did not want to go to Detroit, but you could tell Hutchinson did. Um, you know, Glenn, the defense coach, he was talking last night, said, you know, it's great that you are what we thought you were. Yeah. You know, that, that you're, you know, you know, you're living up to everything we thought you would be. Um, I just think that was a great selection, especially for the fact he wants to be there. And I think he wants to help make Detroit successful. Yeah. Um, and what are you hearing about him? You know, because a lot of times, you know, we're, we're just hearing what we see on the show. Right. What are you hearing from him in the city and, you know, that part? Yeah. I mean, he, he kind of walks into almost a hornet's nest a little bit because obviously the state is split between Michigan and Michigan state fans. So mm-hmm. half, half of the fans were like, 
you know, they, they were doubting him as a prospect. They're like, oh, one, one, you know, flash in the pan season and we want Kayvon Thibodeau or we want Trayvon Walker, you know, typical kind of rivalry stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, like people are, are, are now very excited and, and, and rightfully so. And, you know, the, the biggest thing with Aiden is that he is just such a true professional that he, like the mental side of the game, the, it, like he's already there. Like mm-hmm. he, he's, treating himself like a professional he's getting there early he's putting in the work he's treating every rep like it's a game rep um whether it's the beginning of practice or end of practice and, and i think that's what aaron glenn is talking about he's just like mm-hmm. the mental we we saw that kind of gritty mentality that that we're going to you know just outwork everyone else on the field for for 60 minutes that's the attitude that Aiden hutchinson you know, the rep that he had coming into camp and, and the one that he's shown throughout camp. And so I still think, you know, some of the developmental stuff in terms of technique and stuff, that, that stuff will come down the road. But in terms of just like being a dude who's going to be ready and just shoot himself out of cannon, that week one rep against the Eagles, like he's he's going to be ready. And and that's that's what I think the Lions are most going to are going to be most excited about because they can mold everything else. Right. They they, they have confidence in themselves as a coaching staff to make sure that all the technical stuff gets there. They just need a guy who's willing to do it. And Aiden is a, is a 10 out of 10 when it comes to that. The Steelers last week faced the Jaguars and, and actually had quite a bit of trouble with their defensive line. And I wanted to compare that because uh, the Jaguars added the number one pick a defensive <laughs> end. They had uh, what's his name? Josh Allen, who top 10 pick a few years ago and they really build up the defensive interior with some veteran like people movers some really big guys to to kind of anchor and 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 push the pocket a bit for them and they look like they have really turned it around in only a few years rebuilding that defensive line yeah with Aiden Hutchinson is he kind of that Josh Allen is he kind of the first piece to arrive on a defensive line build or have they? What have the? What's Detroit added around him? What do they already have? Is this going to be a, a really good front line, or is this more a work in progress? It's, it's kind of a tricky question to answer because I think if everyone is healthy, I think this would be a really good defensive line that that could be, you know, top twelve, top ten unit in the league because. Last year, they drafted the interior guys. They drafted Aleem McNeil, a nose tackle who's now playing a lot of three tech, who's just like he's 330 pounds and got a ridiculous first step. It doesn't make sense how quick he is. And so that's why they're putting him out on the three tech to just be huge, disruptive and, and crazy. And then they also drafted Levi Onzerike out of Washington last year, a defensive tackle who is more kind of a three tech, a later three tech. But unfortunately, Levi's been dealing with some um, hernia or, you know, back hip yeah. issues. He's uh, he's not going to play in this game. He probably won't be ready for the, the, the regular season. Lions also drafted Josh Pascal uh, this year an edge guy who um, is dealing with, he's the one that's dealing with a hernia. Now he's on the, uh, the pup list is going to miss at least the first four games of the season. Um, uh, Romeo Aquara tore his Achilles in week four last year is not ready to go yet. He's going to miss the first four games, but he was a guy that was a 10 sack guy um, right before they gave him an extension. And, and then the, the Achilles injuries happened. That being said, Charles Harris is a guy that I think, you know, he had a breakout year last year, a former first round pick didn't, didn't work with the Falcons. Um, but I, I really think you could see him take another step this year. And the reason I say that is because he was one of the most double teamed edge rushers in the year, in the league last year, because the Lions didn't have anyone else. They didn't have an Aiden Hutchin to put opposite him. Now they do. And so I think, yeah. I think if you see a breakout season, it, it might be Charles Harris as the guy to worry about a little bit more than Aiden Hutchinson while he kind of, kind of gets his NFL legs. Um, so I, I think, 
unfortunately the rest of of the depth is, is still kind of a work in progress but if this if this unit was really healthy i think it could be a really really good unit instead i think it's probably going to be maybe a little bit below average but don't don't sleep on those two edge guys because i think those guys are very talented okay well me and you talked a little before we started the podcast about malcolm rodriguez <laughs> and he is my kind of linebacker and uh, the Steelers have a guy similar. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but in Mark Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both guys are shorter. They're really stocky, stout, uh, aggressive, got a, a natural feel. Uh, uh, just they play angry. Yeah. And and I've been watching Rodriguez on Hard Knocks, and he he's the real deal. When when I, I always got fired up, things that fire me up ain't always <laughs> the same thing that fires other people up. But when the position coach, I can't remember his name, was like, well, you know, you're going to be a starter. And this was prior to the second game. Yeah. You know, they're they're already telling him, you know, you've earned it. Yeah. And, you know, they're not – they don't care about draft position. They don't care about salary. They're, they want the best guys out there. That's what – that's how you develop a winning team. Right. And then that makes them other guys in the room. They're like, okay, you know, he's Drawing putting that intensity out there. We need to do the same. Yeah. He's leading by example. But that little burger, he is – he is one <laughs> – Tough little ball player. Yeah. And um, uh, is there anything you could tell us about him that maybe we're not hearing on the show? Yeah. Uh, the hype around Malcolm Rodriguez started well before Hard Knocks in Detroit because after rookie minicamp, uh, the Lions linebacker coach, um, Kelvin Shepard, who also, by the way, former, yeah. for, former linebacker himself, former Lions linebacker, in fact, mm-hmm. um, the first thing he said about him was he had never seen a rookie that was so smart. He was the smartest rookie he's ever been around. And, you know, I, I personally asked him, so well, does that mean you can start teaching him things like, you know, ahead of time, like things that, that maybe veterans are. And he's like, I'm teaching him things that I maybe some three-year veterans wouldn't mm. get. Mm-hmm. And so none of this is necessarily that big of a surprise now. Um, obviously when you drafted him, you, you don't expect your thir- your sixth round pick to start, but at the same time, the line linebacker room is not particularly great. So, but this doesn't feel like a, a situation where um, everyone else is losing the job. It really does feel like Malcolm Rodriguez is winning yeah. that job. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the physical nature. Um, you're right. That, that the size is, is his biggest concern. I feel like if he was a couple inches taller and, and 10 pounds heavier, maybe a second round pick. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he wins with, with kind of the size limitations is leverage, you know, and, all the Oklahoma state people will, will say, will say there's a drinking game whenever you mention his wrestling background, but you can really actually see the, the wrestling <laughs> background with him. Like there was a, a time in, in the opening preseason game against the Falcons where he just like, he lifted and tossed a 310 offensive lineman after the play. And it's just mm-hmm. like, that's, that's the, that's the wrestler coming through. And that sort of stuff matters. That's how you, you break through tackles. That's how you, sh- you know, st- stack and shed and, and things like that. And so, uh, man, I, I, I'm usually Mr. Let's not get too excited about day three draft pick guys, but he's blown me out of the water. And and I think, I, I don't think he's only going to start in week one. I think he, he's going to excel. Hey, I, I got to tell you, I get excited. I, I, I marry <laughs> you for not. Cause I get excited and he don't even play for the still, but that guy, you know, like I said, five, 10, five, 11, but a four, five, two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 39 and a half inch vertical at 36 or 39 reps. He's strong. I mean, that dude is jacked up. Yeah. So yeah, he might be short, but he's got everything else. 
Uh, he he's he's earned that I, I can't remember the the running back who earned the original nickname but i've, I've heard mu- muscle hamster thrown around <laughs> for him as well i'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry that wow it's a great nickname <laughs> i've never heard anyone called a muscle hamster but that makes so much sense that's fantastic <laughs> what player i want to ask about this is a guy i loved coming out of the draft when the when the when the lions picked him is uh, Jeff Okuda. He mm-hmm. was drafted very highly, hasn't yep. really shown up. He's been dealing, dealing with injuries. Yeah, Where is he, and uh, how is how is the Detroit Lions cornerback room looking? Because I know last year there was tons of injuries and, and people in and out all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still kind of – I don't want to call it a mess because I think they're just trying to figure things out at the moment. But, like, Jeff Okuda's just gone through the ringer in his first year, you know, his, his – you know his first season there he's dealing with kind of a, a groin injury that that lingered the entire year I think he played nine games and the the Lions coaching staff then just kind of threw him into the fire you know Matt Patricia's defense relied heavily on man-to-man one-on-one coverage so you're throwing you're throwing Jeff Okuda a guy dealing with a groin injury out on an island and it didn't go well like it, he had a bad rookie season I don't think there's any other way to put it you know, we, you get into year two, everyone's all optimistic. He's looking really good at camp and, and thrilled. He's with Aubrey Pleasant and, and Aaron Glenn, two guys have played this game and, and are viewed as very smart, very good coaches. And then week one, he gives up a big play. He comes back with a PP, PBU and then in the third quarter tears his Achilles, loses him for the rest of the season. And so it, it's a horrible start to this guy's career and he's worked his butt off to get back to the Achilles. Like, we saw Cam Akers and, and what he did with the, the Rams in terms of getting back from this injury. Jeff Okuda's done just about as good as that. Like he he hit the ground running when training camp started. They they took the training wheels off. He he was a full full go, and you know you you can still see him learning the position though. It, it's he's still essentially a rookie in, in a lot of ways. So I don't think he's going to come out in week one. It looks like he's probably going to like they they didn't even hand him the the starting job this training camp. You know he's he's competing against. Will Harris, a, a former, I want to say, fourth round pick, uh, who played safety, now converting to to corner. So they're, they're they're challenging him while also kind of rewarding all of the work he put in just to get back on the field. But it's going to take some time, and so he's he's kind of set up to be the number two, I would say. Number one guy is Amani Oruwari, a former fifth round pick, who who took some big steps towards last year. Um, he's in a contract year. I, I would say he's not an above average number one, but you know, I would say he, he might be an above average number two, but they got him playing the one just because they're, they're a little, they're a little thin on their, their depth and, and top end talent there. I think that's a position they might hit hard in future drafts, but they're still figuring it out. And Jeff Okuda is a guy that I, I'm very much rooting for, even as a, as a former Wolverine myself, I, I can't help but root for Jeff Okuda just because he's an inspirational story. Like, and, and it's, it's, it sucks for a guy like him who comes in with such high expectations to experience what he did in the first two years. But if he can turn it around, man, it'd be it'd be a heck of a story, and and he's put in the work to do it. I don't know um, how much you, uh, if at all, you have heard about the Steelers and the quarterback competition and all the Twitter drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the incumbent, the guy back from last year, Mason Rudolph. You know, and 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 some people love him, and and some people hate him, and and a lot of people just indifferent, but. Just a couple of weeks ago, everybody's looking at hard knocks and they see Jared Goff and they don't really see anything behind Jared Goff. Yeah. So then you start hearing rumors that the Lions might be interested 
<laughs> and trading for Mason Rudolph. Right. Now, usually that could just come up from somebody on Twitter, just throw some, you know. But yeah. uh, did you hear any of those rumors in Detroit? No, I, I just saw the the one that I'm sure you all saw. I, I didn't hear anything uh, in, in addition to that. And it seems unlikely to me. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that the Lions are really even looking for someone to push Jared Goff right now. I think they, they're just using 2022 as like, all right, Jared Goff, we got you a bunch of wide receivers. We got a pretty good offensive line. We got uh, a dynamic running back or two. This is on you. Prove to us that you can be our quarterback of the future. That's what 2022 is, because if if not, well, the Lions got two first-round picks next year. Maybe they grab a quarterback of the future. Um, I think what they want out of their backup quarterbacks, and yeah, I mean, sure, you'd like someone to, to be able to step in and, and win a game, um, but you also want someone who, who knows the offense and can feed Jared Goff information. And so bringing someone in like Mason Rudolph at this point in the offseason, I mean, Mason Rudolph is going to have to have a month to learn the offense himself. And how, mm-hmm. how can that be helpful to Jared Goff in any sort of way? Um, I, I don't think it can be. And, you know, no, no offense to Mason Rudolph, but we got a pretty up close look at him and he couldn't beat a pretty bad Lions team last year in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I have personally not much interest in, in bringing Mason Rudolph in. Yeah. That, that game, the overtime period of that game was painful. Cause it was like, both teams yeah. were like, no, seriously, yeah. you guys win this game. And they were right. like, no, no, no we don't want to win this game. You please win the game. It was so bad. I, I, I went on a rant that week about I, I'd rather give both teams losses than watch overtime. Right? And listen, like, the Lions were, what, I think 0-8 or 0-9 at that point and just yeah. starved for a win. And to come out of that with a tie somehow was not satisfying at all. Like, we did, like that there's, That zero is still there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it's I, uh, tie, ties great on my nerves more than a loss. Like, right. you tried, you failed. But it's like you tried, but you didn't fail, but you didn't succeed. You just you just wasted everyone's time. Exactly. That's all you really did. <laughs> yes. You played you played an even longer game and nothing occurred. Exactly. Thank you for that. That was great. Uh go on. You you mentioned the receiver core. Uh mm-hmm. last year the receivers Lions obviously didn't have much. What have they added to that room? And what do you expect this year to see from the receivers? I think what you'll you'll see is more deep balls. Um, the Lions were, were one of the, the lowest teams in terms of uh, ADOT, you know, average distance of target and things like that. Um, in terms of what they added, so they added Josh Reynolds midseason last year, and that kind of – that that was part of the, the spark of, of the turnaround where, you know, the Lions, like I said, went three and three down the stretch. The offense looked much better. Jared Goff looked looked much better, and, you know, he, he – he has a rapport with Josh Reynolds um, going back to both their days in Los Angeles. And so he's going to start as the number two, um, the, the big addition, I, I should say there are two big additions. The first we'll see right away in, in DJ Chark free agent edition. They signed him to do a one-year deal. Uh, a guy that was very, very unhappy as a lot of people were in Jacksonville last year. Um, mm-hmm. Seems to be in a much better place mentally, but he's also coming off a broken ankle. So he missed almost all of last year. So all of the drama that he experienced with Urban Meyer was as an injured player. Um, but yeah, he seems, um, he, you know, he's definitely got a, a locked in chemistry with, with Jared Goff, the two trained in the off season, all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, he, you look at his skill set like he's just blazing fast. I think you, you think of him as, as kind of a tall, maybe contested catch receiver, but he can run. And, and I think that's, that's going to add a lot. And then, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown, a guy who came on, like crazy mm-hmm. towards the end of last year. I'm sure anyone who plays fantasy football yeah. either loves Amon Ra if he was on their team or hates him if they had to go <laughs> up against him because he, I mean, I think he finished the the, the season with, with I want to say six straight games of eight catches or more or, or something like that. Just 
incredible pace and it doesn't seem to be like that's that that's a flash in the pan thing he's another guy who's just like his work ethic is is ridiculous um he, he catches 202 balls out of the jugs machine after every single practice um and so he's he's going to continue i think his rise to stardom and then obviously Jamison Williams, we, we talked about him first round pick. He is going to start on the NFI list, which means he's going to miss the first four games. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until November. Um, but once he comes, then you got another deep ball candidate. And so I, I think the, you know, considering this is a team that that started, you know, their, their idea of number one and two wide receivers going into last year was Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman, two guys who, if I'm not mistaken, are not on an NFL roster right now. Um, so it's a much improved unit. I think it, it will only get better once everyone is healthy, but it's a much improved unit. And I think it's going to open up the passing game a little bit. And so we're, we're going to see them push the field, the ball a little bit more downfield than they did last year. This last, this third preseason game is always, you know, so important to them, them guys right on the fringe. Yeah. You know, and, uh, the Steelers, you know, they have their guys that that need a big game to solidify that that roster spot. You know, we're we're learning about some of these guys for the mm-hmm. lines, you know, on hard knocks. But is there any one of these guys that that's right there on that bubble that you're really interested in seeing against the Steelers with hopes that it might put them over the top? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I would mention the kicker battle, but I, I, I don't want to bore you guys and even bore myself. If I'm being completely honest, I don't, I don't like kicker battles. Um, but I, so the wide receiver room is really, really interesting right now because you have all those guys that I mentioned and the top four or five guys are really locked in place. Um, but six and maybe seventh are, are really interesting. Tom Kennedy is, is kind of, uh, I'm surprised they haven't really touched on him much on hard knocks. He scored two touchdowns in the last preseason game and you saw him, but they didn't, you never really talked to the guy, but he's a, he's a former rugby player. He's been hanging around the Lions practice squad for the past feels like two or three years. Um, But he had a hundred yards in in the, in the opening preseason game. Mm -hmm. He has the two touchdowns the next game. And he's a guy who he's, he's small. He really seems like a limited guy in terms of what he can do because he's just, he seems like a pure slot, but they've been really giving him more and more opportunities to prove himself play on the outside, play some special teams. And he's met every single challenge. And he, it, it's for a while, it's, he screams like that one wide receiver who just pops off in, in the fourth quarter of every preseason game and everyone gets really excited and then he gets cut and whatever. But this this year feels a little bit different. It feels like he's added it a little bit to his game and he could really challenge for a spot. And then the other uh, guy I think who might challenge a spot for there as well is Maurice Alexander, uh, a guy that they added very recently, but he, was kind of, I don't want to say a star in the USFL, but very efficient in the USFL. And where he really stood out was uh, kick and punt return. And Mm -hmm. last week he had, I think, a 40-some yarder and a 50-some yard kick return uh, against the Colts. And so suddenly he's on the Lions radar because they don't really have a standout kick or punt returner. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's probably something to watch on on Sunday. If the Lions get a big kick return or a punt return, uh, it could mean good things for Maurice Alexander. What are you expecting from the Lions offensive line? This has been something they've invested a lot in. Yeah. Uh, and, and do you, are you seeing results? Are you seeing this team being a, a team that can run through their offensive line? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think expectations should be sky high for this unit. It, it includes three first round picks and a, and a couple other, um, you know, high, highly invested guys. Um, you know, Panay Sewell entering year two after a really strong finish to the season at right tackle. Left your left tackle is Taylor Decker, a guy who's been 
solid, you know, almost top 10 in pass protection for a really long time. And then you just got Maulers in the middle. Frank Ragno, I think, is a top five center in this league. Jonah Jackson is starting to come in his own left guard in his, you know, he's entering his third year. And then you got Vitae, who's the, um, you know, kind of the, the veteran of the group. Um, won a Super Bowl in 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 Philly as, as a tackle. Now he's playing guard. It's, you know, he's probably the weak link of the group, but everyone else, I think you have really, really high expectations for. And we know this team is, is someone who really wants to be a physically imposing team. They really want to run the ball a lot. And I think they, I think they think they have a top five unit in the offensive line. And, you know, we, we won't, we won't know until we see it. Um, expectations were just as high last year, but unfortunately Frank Ragnow suffers a toe injury that misses, makes him miss, I think 13 games. Taylor Decker gets a finger injury, misses the first eight of the, of, of the season. So we haven't seen outside of some preseason snaps, this entire five uh, person unit play together yet period. Um, so it, it's still like, okay, you got to actually go out and show it. But in terms of potential, I, I do think this is a top five offensive line potential. I really do. Yeah. Um, the, the lines, the running game with that offensive line and those high draft picks, it seems like they're set up yeah. to, and, and you know, and we know golf, he's really effective in play action. Yep. That can open up the deep middle and, and you know they got more speed and size now receiver uh, it seems like the coaches are really high on swift yeah uh, and you know i think part of the reason maybe he hasn't broke out yet has been because of the offensive lines line and the injuries that you mentioned yes. yep um what is your impression on swift here this season yeah, it, I do think expectations are, are very high. He certainly has high expectations for himself. He recently said he wants to get a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards, which has only been done three times in <laughs> NFL history. So, you know, setting the bar pretty high for himself. Um, yeah, I, Swift is kind of an interesting guy because I feel like mentally he's been a guy that's hard to unlock. And you see, if you've been watching Hard Knocks, you know, Deuce has been really hard on him. But in in kind of that that as we talk, walking the line of being not necessarily insulting, but, but critical while also kind of coming from a place of love. And of course, a guy mm-hmm. like Deuce Daly who did it for so long in the NFL, you, you have to respect what he says about that. But um, he's a guy that I think needs a little bit of tough love. He's a guy that needs a little bit of mm-hmm. like kicking the pants. And, you know, one of the most interesting things Deuce said to the media this year was um, that Swift needs to learn the the difference between injured and being hurt. And that, I mean, you're, you're, you're essentially calling out your running backs toughness there in, in a way that's not saying exactly that because Swift has missed a lot of time with injury. He, he's missed a lot of practice with injury. This is the first time he's really made it through in, I think an entire training camp without taking regular days off. So, you know, they're, they're really pushing him to, to push his, his mental limits, his physical limits, because I do think they see all that stuff. I mean, if, if you remember, there was a, a hard knock scene where, where Deuce is just pleading to the coaches and being like, listen, this guy, I know what an, an outstanding, unique talent looks like, and this guy has it. We mm-hmm. just need to get him to believe it. And so I don't know if he ever reaches that potential or not, but they're going to do everything in their in their power to get him to where they where where they think he can be, and they they do think he can be a special back. All right. So to wrap this all up, one of the last things we like to do with our guests is get a score prediction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a preseason game, sure. so predicting the score is kind of Mm-hmm. Not not that big a deal. It's kind of a crapshoot. 
Uh, but what what do you see score wise? What do you think is going to happen in this game? Yeah, it should be interesting because we we've only seen the Lions' first team offense once in the preseason so far, and they they went down and, and scored a touchdown right away uh, against a, a Falcons team that's probably not going to be great. But um, I, I do think that's kind of emblematic of what this team is going to be. It, it's going to be a team that sh- gets in, gets involved in a lot of shootouts. I think their offense is going to be average to good. I think their defense is probably going to be still pretty bad. So I, I think, I think we're just going to be in for shootouts. And of course, like you said, preseason, who, who the heck knows? Um, but, but we, like you also said, like these preseason games kind of matter to Dan Campbell and, mm-hmm. and the Lions because they, they, they just want that locker room to experience wins. They, and, and especially end of game wins. That's something that they've, you know, they mentioned on hard knocks, but that's something that they've, they've been practicing all training camp. They got, they got into those situational things right away. Whereas I think normally you wait a few weeks to, to get into that sort of stuff. So all that being said, let's go with a, a high scoring game, uh, a lion's win because they're, they're, they're really going to be pushing towards the end of that game if, if it's close. So I'll go with 35 to 31 lions. Mm. All right. Uh, before we let you go, let everyone know where they can see your work and uh, find your, find you on Twitter, wherever. Sure, everyone yeah. know where they can find you. Yeah, Pride of Detroit is uh, is where I'm the editor-in-chief over there. we got plenty of Lions content. We'll have plenty covering the game as well. We'll try to get some Steelers perspective in there as well. Um, we, we have a podcast that we put on. We, we live stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, if you're interested in that sort of stuff as well. And then my personal Twitter is at Detroit Online, all one word, online, like, like America Online. So Detroit Online. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on our show. It's been great having you. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you having on, me, man. guys. I, I, I'll, I'll come anytime with the energy that you guys are bringing. All right. Oh, thank, thank you, Jeremy. You. I'll right, try to be man. calmer next time. <laughs> no, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right, man. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. I'll see ya. Okay, Shannon. We like Dan Campbell. I've, I've said this before. One of the mm-hmm. reasons I think people, especially in Pittsburgh, like Dan Campbell is he's got a little bit of the spirit of Bill Coward. That kind of like, I'm in your face. I'm a little crazy. I might be a little unhinged, but it's from a good place, a place of passion, a place of loving his players. Like he actually cares. Mm-hmm. You know, he shows that enthusiasm and fire. I, I Detroit's a team that I can kind of root for. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of, they're, it's not like we're going to really play them. That game last year was just absolutely obscene, but it's nothing you're going to hate the lions for. Right. Is this a likable team? Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're NFC. We don't play them very often. Um, You know, they're the, uh, other than the Browns, they're the sad sack losers, you know, in the league. And, and, but they've had a lot of great players through the years you know, some of our favorites, Barry Sanders. I, I loved watching that guy. I mean, you know, he, he had the, the, what was so incredible about him? And he had the strongest ligaments and tendons of any player ever to do the cuts and the stuff he could do. And oh, the, yeah. I mean, you know, my ACLs just ache watching him run and <laughs> uh, Calvin Johnson and Sims oh, yeah. back in the eighties and just to get so many players, but they've never had any sustained success. Their fans are loyal. I mean, it's one thing if your team has won at least one Super Bowl or is you know hasn't had a losing season since 20, 2003. It's one thing to be a Steelers fan, but to be a Lions fan, to be a Browns fan, or 
you know, even the Bengals got to experience some winning last year. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, the, the Browns, there's no reason to not like them. And, you know, I think we all kind of secretly root for them when they're not playing the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, I, and I mean, I, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up an hour outside of Detroit. Yeah. I was a Detroit Lions fan to start as a kid. I didn't follow football much, but I, I liked the Lions. Uh, that all changed when I moved away. But uh, I I naturally kind of just keep an eye on them and watch them, and I, I like mm-hmm. when they do well. Especially for me, one of the big memories of Detroit as a Steeler fan is that Super Bowl where, mm-hmm. you know, they absolutely mm-hmm. embraced Jerome Bettis coming back mm-hmm. for that Super Bowl. It, it was a great experience, great job by that city. And I, and I think, you know, Pittsburgh can also relate a little bit better to Detroit than a lot of other cities as a, as a manufacturing industrial yeah, city, yeah. blue collar stuff. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a little bit of a connection there. I always liked Detroit. Uh, I might, I still take my family back to Michigan probably every couple of years. Just mm-hmm. that was where I grew up. So for me, I love these games. I love seeing the lions. Uh, well, we're all the same great. at thanks at Thanksgiving. We all want to see Dallas lose and you want to see <laughs> Detroit win. So, you know, yeah. I think we all agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now to move off of Detroit, what do you what do you want? What do you need to see from the Steelers in this third preseason game? Well, somebody's already brought it up. Steelers free because they wanted to hear me talk about Mark Robinson. So here we go. Ever, you know, I mean, I've been waiting with bated breath to 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 talk about him. You know, there's you know, Bush missed time this week with a, an ankle injury. Don't know how severe, but you know, he's milked that knee injury now for two over two years. And he was probably losing his luster. So he's like, okay, now I got an ankle injury. So he'll have something else to make an excuse for another you know, season. But I'm wanting to see Robertson got some first team reps. Robertson looks like the real deal guys. I mean, I've said it from the, you know, when he was drafted, I've been on the hype train the whole time. If you watch him, he has the instincts. He has the aggressiveness, the physicality. He has all that. The fact that he's better in coverage than we expected. I mean, he shadows the running back very well because he moves very fluidly. And he's actually getting better at his drops. He's getting better depth and he seems, you know, he's getting, he's, he's catching on. He's raw. But I keep seeing people say, well, he's too raw. He's only got one year of experience. That doesn't matter. His one year of experience, he was very successful in the SEC, which is the closest thing you're going to get outside of the NFL. I would say the SEC is better than the USFL. You play in the SEC and you be successful, a lot of times them guys come in and they are able to contribute right off the bat. His biggest weakness is that lack of experience. But here, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I mean, he's going to make rookie mistakes. But he's also going to make some huge hits, and his intensity is contagious. He, the other guys will feed off of that. You know, remember when Spillane blew up Henry at the goal line in that game, and that fired the whole defense up. You know, it, it's it, it's contagious, that type of physicality and that type of effort. Okay, you say, well, you know, he's just too raw. He's too raw. Well, what's the alternative? To watch Bush run around and try to avoid contact? He ain't doing anything. He's not making any impact. And then you have Robert Splane, who I love the dude. 
He's got all the heart in the world, but he just does not have the athleticism. He can play the run unless he gets outside. But when he's in coverage, every time he's in there and it's, you know, they're going to pass the ball, we look at each other and we're like, oh, boy, they're going to get somebody matched up on Splane and this is the first down. And it happens every time. He can't help it. You know, he is, so his are limitations. He could be special teams guy. He could be a backup, goal line guy, whatever. But Robertson, of the guys they have currently on the roster, I want to see him in there with Miles Jacks. Miles Jacks was aggressive. He played dominant against Jacksonville in his short time in there because he was fired up to play his former team. And I loved how he played. And he has those instincts and that aggressiveness, and so does Robertson. Robertson will make mistakes, guys. We accept that. But I believe that he could contribute this year, even though he is inexperienced. What you're what you're looking for is Mark Robinson getting first team reps with the Steelers defense. Exactly. That's what you're looking to see. Yep. yep. Okay. I, I gotta say he did move up in that second game. He was down below Buddy Johnson. He was up. He came in right after Robert Spillane did uh against the Jaguars. Ah, man, I think it would be hard. I, I don't think the way the Steelers run that depth chart, you would see Mark Robinson leap over Robert Spillane. I I just, I don't see that. I, I'm not going to totally disagree with you. Uh, Dave Schofield and I did a vertex on Mark Robinson. I went through that entire Jacksonville game. Every snap he was in looking for a play, he got beat in coverage. Hmm. And the best I can tell you is the... Backup quarterbacks for Jacksonville were throwing outside. They weren't really attacking the middle much. But Robinson, the, the best I can tell you is there are plays where he looked like he was a bit confused. And there were plays that it looked like he did exactly what he needed to do. There were plays he dropped into coverage and the quarterback read that guy and went away from him. Robinson was in coverage. Uh, you know, it's, it's backup quarterbacks. That doesn't mean the same would happen if it was a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't in there against Trevor Lawrence. but. I agree with you. I, I I think the guy's earned that shot. I just don't know if he's going to get it. The well, way he might the not get like it. to run their depth chart. He might not get it right off the bat. That's why I want to see him with the first string in the preseason game. Yeah. And then see, show what he could do. Then he continue to learn and get some spot, you know, snaps in the regular season as he learns. Because what's going to happen, guys, is Bush is still going to be lackluster. He don't care. And he's it's going to show. It's going to bleed into the regular season. Spillane will continue to get torched on passing downs or in coverage. Buddy Johnson looks lost and clueless. And, I mean, I was rooting for the guy. But, yep. he, you know, he just looks like he has no clue what his assignment is. So that leaves Robertson. So I think that by process of elimination, he is going to get some play in the actual defense this season, especially as he gains more experience. But that's what I want to see in this preseason game is how would he look next to Miles Jacks? I'd be interested. They could give Miles Jack the day off and put Devin Bush and Mark Robinson out there. Put the two contrasts together. The guy with all the talent <laughs> and all the coverage ability and the guy with all the, the, the fire in his belly. Yeah, yeah. See how they do. Let them play it out. Uh, one thing I am looking for, uh, I, I had a film room come out today. I, I wanted to do a film room on Kenny Pickett. He played so few plays. I was like, that's great. I can really <laughs> dig into like a, a small set of plays, yeah. really look at them. 
you know, it'd be great. Uh, it, it was shocking to me when I looked at it because Kenny Pickett, I was expecting to see high level game manager, right? Mm. Find the right guy who's open, get the ball to it, read the defense, find the right guy, get the ball to him accurately. And what I found is a guy who did that, but, but did much more. Mm. Uh, he, he looks like a guy, right? He doesn't, he doesn't show the deep ball. He doesn't show the athleticism of, of a guy like a Ben Roethlisberger, right? But if you look at Ben Roethlisberger, when he went from being that incredibly talented quarterback who broke tackles, ran around extended plays, and made stuff happen that way, to the guy who read your defense, pump faked, looked off a of safety, and just mm. tore your defense apart that way. That kind of improvement, Kenny Pickett's already made that. Like Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. is a guy who doesn't have the arm, he doesn't have the mobility, he doesn't have the other stuff, but he has that. And there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who never develop that. There are starting quarterbacks mm-hmm. who don't get that. He is ahead of Mitchell Trubisky by, by a good margin. Yeah, there are yeah, a lot yeah. of starting quarterbacks that Kenny Pickett is just ahead of mm-hmm. in that feel for the defense, manipulate the defense, work your guy open, hit him in rhythm, in stride to give him yards after the catch, and to do it consistently. And not only is Kenny Pickett doing it consistently, he's doing it consistently with absolute crap protection. Oh, That oh. Jacksonville, you look oh. at when Pickett was in there. <laughs> I mean, every other play he's getting hit. Mm-hmm. And the, the one play, he is, he is working the defense, using his eyes to get guys off and throwing a guy open. While Kendrick Green steps forward and absolutely whiffs on a defensive tackle, and the guy just goes past him as in Pickett's face and clocks Pickett hard. And Pickett works the play. Yeah. And just does it beautifully, delivers the ball exactly where it needs to be. I want to see Kenny Pickett get some extended time. I want to see him with Chase Claypool, with Deontay Johnson. I want to see him with George Pickens. Mm -hmm. I want to see if he can get some stuff going downfield where he's not just working with backups and doing whatever he can. You know, I want to see Kenny Pickett work outside of the two minute drill mm-hmm. outside of the dink and dunk. I want to see him get a real, real chance to earn the starting job. I don't believe in my <clears throat> opinion, you can't, you can't overvalue four weeks, even sitting on the bench, watching real NFL defenses, talking to the quarterback who's in there experiencing it, going in the film room, looking at what happened, looking at the next group, and really giving a quarterback some time to adjust to that. Like even two, three, four weeks, right? Yeah. I think that's invaluable. But I think at this point, we're looking at Kenny Pickett being the starter on this team sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I really want to see the Steelers invest in taking that look and seeing Kenny Pickett in this game because – Man, what we've seen of him mm-hmm. is impressive. I also want to see a lack of Kendrick Green. That's the other thing I want to see. Yes. I want to see Kendrick now, Green. That brings me to something that I wanted to definitely talk about tonight with you because I think me and you are on the same page. I don't know if yeah. you've seen any of me and Dave Schofield's conversation today because we had talked about back at the beginning of training camp, so many of these Steelers offensive linemen have position versatility. And I wanted yeah. to see them through the early stages of camp and maybe even the first preseason game switch more and a core four and let them get some time at both sides in case there's an injury and you have to switch somebody. I wanted to see Daniels and Dodson get to switch. 
And Cole can play any of the three interior spots just like Daniels can. Right now, it's not working, and some of the guys do not look comfortable at all. Now, I believe that's the new technique that's being taught, and I think that that's why we're seeing these struggles. But you remember, because we talked about it often that year, Kevin Dotson was a right guard. He was a right yep. guard all through college. He His yeah. best football, in my opinion, was his rookie year when he filled in for David uh, DeCastro. Mm-hmm. When they switched him to the left side, it took him a while to get better. And then last year he started to get better and a little more comfortable. But to me, he's always looked better. He's never looked as good as he did as that rookie on that right side. Now, I know they got a different blocking scheme now and everything, but I understand that. But what I'd like to see him do this last preseason game and these last three weeks or a little less now of of uh, practices before the season starts is flop Daniels and Dotson and see if <laughs> Dotson isn't even more effective back on that right side that is his natural side and Daniels who I think could be a pro bowl center because he was great at center at Iowa and he's actually had some success at center but they you know everybody wants him at guard and so the Bears wouldn't leave him at center he you know he could be the next top notch stiller center because we got to remember Mason Cole can also play guard but I, I think that they need to at least move some guys around and see if they if they if they develop a more of a comfort zone, and it might help with the chemistry, and you might see more positive results. But I especially wanted to talk to you about Dotson on the right side because we had talked about it in the past, and I wanted to see your opinion. I I think we are, I mean, with this being the last preseason game, why not? I yeah, mean, we're kind of at the throat. Yeah. Throw poop at the wall, see what sticks, man. Because <laughs> something, because yeah. you're out. You like what are you? What are you going for here? I I will. I do want to say this. Uh, Mike Munchak has a great reputation in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but that offensive line he had, Marquise Pouncey, great from 2010, mm-hmm. played next to Ramon Foster from the moment he came on the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Those two had been together and played together for three seasons, four. Except for the season, yeah, Pouncey missed a season. So they had three seasons. Mm-hmm. They had played next to each other, right? Then you have David DeCastro added in 2012. Uh, you have Kelvin Beecham was on the other side. You have Marcus Gilbert, who had been around 2011, I think. But the first year they were all healthy, right? They had all played together. I think they all had two years experience playing next to the playing with the guy next to them, even though it kind of jumped around a bit, right? Mm-hmm. They'd all played together for a couple of seasons. We know uh, from Ramon Foster's interviews that, that Mike Conlon called them the goon squad. <laughs> and they had developed a rapport with each other uh-huh. where it was kind of them against the world, even as they were struggling. And they knew each other and they worked together. And then Munchak came in the year all of them got healthy came in, improved their technique, improved their stuff, and all of a sudden they turned it around. Mm-hmm. When we look at this offensive line, nobody has experience playing next to the guy next to him other than Dotson and Dan Moore Jr. That's it. If they put Dotson next to Dan Moore Jr., that's it. If they put Dotson on the other side, yeah, he has like four or five games with a core of four. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Mason Cole, James Daniel, Chakwuma Korafor, they they're all new to each other. They've never played with those guys. 
you also have a brand new scheme for them, mm-hmm. for the blocking mm-hmm. scheme, new stuff that they are learning. They're learning the guy next to them. They're learning a new scheme. This is a rough transition. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I think it might take longer than even last year uh, where we've talked about the offensive line kind of started to come together and, and go from like absolutely awful to like below average, approaching average. Mm-hmm. They're heading into like week seven, week eight. They were they they were showing flashes of being good. They'd still have lapses, but they were much better. And then Dotson went down, and then Trey Turner went down, and everyone's mm-hmm. hurt. Everyone's playing hurt. They're they're shuffling pieces in and out. But there for a while, it was starting to come together. This line is going to take longer than that. This mm-hmm. line, even if if they leave it alone, if they if they move Dotson around, I still think you're looking at. This season, mostly that quarterback is going to be running for his life as this offensive line tries to get on the same page and tries to figure out their strengths, their weaknesses, and what they're doing. They're trying to figure out what they're doing. They could make a huge improvement if they'd have never tried the green experiment. You know, everybody knows I said it last year. The dude, you know, he's the Myers is wanting him to kind of come forward in his past sets, you know, to be aggressive. Well, he, he, the guy, he can't get his hands on these guys because they got 34, 35-inch arms, and he's got his yeah, T-Rex arms. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's not even touching them. And mm-hmm. it looks like he ain't trying, but he can't even touch them. And they're going instantly around him. We knew that experiment was not going to work, but they tried to use it to light a fire under Kevin Dotson, and it backfired. Now, Dotson ain't ready, and Green, they just wasted two preseason games at all training camp. Trying to make him something he'll never be. So the line could be a lot better this week. It can't be any worse than it was last week. Yeah, unless they get a quarterback get killed. But get you know, yeah, but they could be better this week as long as you keep Green out of there. I agree with you. And I know people are going to, you're going to, the, the natural question is there, is the new scheme a problem? Right? We've seen Kendrick Green flop at it. We've seen James Daniels struggling with it. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the reason the Steelers believe in the scheme, look more at Dan Moore Jr. when he does a more aggressive set, but especially Chikuma Korafor. This yeah. Pat Meyer has done wonderful things for him. When he is doing those aggressive sets, it's beautiful. When Chukuma Korafor does it, mm-hmm. it works. It works really well. These other guys... They're learning it. They're messing up. Maybe it'll take time. Maybe they're going to have to back off on that a little bit with them. Because if you notice, it's not all of them being aggressive at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like a it's like a stagger try and catch people off guard and win a rep type of thing, uh, just by catch it. It works. Uh, if you look at the co- teams he coached, they have incredible success against T.J. Watt and T.J. Watt hated playing those guys. You watch him play against those Pat Meyer teams, like those the Chargers games. He got visibly frustrated in those games. Mm-hmm. TJ Watt was getting visibly frustrated because randomly, like how he likes to set up his moves mm-hmm. and a guy just boom, they're changing when they're hitting you. They're changing their blocking angles. They're not allowing you to set up your moves and do the things you want to do. And, and they're being more physical. They're being more aggressive. You're getting held more. You're getting stuff and they're getting away with it. Very frustrating for TJ Watt. There's potential in this offense. Civline system. Mm-hmm. And it is paying off for some of the players. It is clearly not paying off for some others. And they're going to have to work through that. And we're going to have to see how it works out. Well, you look at Moore. 
you know, more show and improvement, and he looked a lot better at camp based on all reports. But in the two preseason games, he's not getting bull rushed like he did last year no. because he is being more aggressive. But he's getting beat with a quick outside move. He's getting beat around the edge because he's, you know, instead of he was dropping back really fast and that wide, he's not doing that. And and now he's struggling with speed more than he did last year. So it's yeah. an adjustment period. I, you know, we understand that. But a lot of these things that, that we've just talked about, I think if they would have really – they just took the guys into camp and then here's your position. They just put everybody in a set position and thought that was the way to go. And I think that they should have, you know, moved them around a little bit and see who shined at what position, you know, make them kind of earn it a little bit. And yep. and I think they would be a little farther ahead if they had done that. Yeah. I agree with you. We'll we'll see how this goes. I mean, yeah. right now, lots of question marks on that offensive line. And I don't think I, I think my 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 takeaway from this is this is something we're gonna be dealing with all season. Uh we're gonna be looking for not. improvements from this offensive <laughs> line. It's gonna be slow. Yeah, it's gonna take time. Hopefully the quarterbacks are still alive. Uh, by by the end of the year, uh, I mean, I mean, maybe that's why they're keeping Mason Rudolph around. They're looking at this offensive line, going, "No, we need three quarterbacks. Yeah, we can't, yeah, really. we can't drop to two quarterbacks. We need all three. They may all three have to play." All right, we are way over our the time we're supposed to take on this. We just crossed an hour. So, Shannon, I want you to let us know what's coming up. Let everyone know what they can expect from you. Uh, here coming up. Yeah, well, I have. Uh... You know, this week's uh, rookie review article, and uh, that may be uh, dropping tomorrow. I'm not positive, but, uh, you know, they, they were some uh, some plus performances, and then there was some, um, you know, that, that didn't quite live up to expectations. But um, I, I think it was it was uh, a fair, and we, we, we learned a little bit more about each rookie. So uh, check that out. And like I said, it might be posted tomorrow so. All right. Uh, for me, I had the film room I did on Kenny Pickett came out today. Uh, check check that out. If, if you're mm-hmm. if you're a Pickett fan, if you're wondering what's special about Kenny Pickett, why people are excited about him, really check that out. That's that 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 film room was something else for me. Uh, and man, like by the end of that film room, I was being very careful because I was getting excited. And when I get excited, <laughs> I get I get. You know, I'm getting, mm-hmm. I'm getting. It's preseason. It's time to get super excited and ridiculously optimistic. And I'm out here comparing him to, to Joe Montana and and a young Tom Brady mm-hmm. out there. So, you know, in my head, that's where I was going with this Kenny Pickett film room because really, man, he looks impressive. Mm-hmm. He looks so good in that in those clips from that game. And it was every single play he was in. There wasn't a single throw mm-hmm. that was bad. That's that's something that stood out to me. And it was like uh, it might have been on Chris Carter's podcast where he was talking about there's not a single bad throw Kenny Pickett's thrown. Uh-huh. Go through all of his throws this preseason. There isn't one of them you can look at and say, well, Kenny wants that one back. Uh-huh. Isn't it? There's not a single one. Mitchell Trubisky, you have him. You got him with Mason Rudolph. Uh-huh. Trevor Lawrence, you could do that with him. Kenny Pickett, you don't have one. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Anyways, back, get, getting, oh, I'm going to talk <laughs> too much about him now. Uh, but outside of that, uh, we are talking about Mark Robinson. The Vertex Dave Schofield and I did on, on Mark Robinson is coming out. It's going to be a good one. I, I went through that entire film and looked for his worst coverage snaps. Uh, they are in there. So you you can see that he's even when he's not, even in his weakest area, he's not that bad. 
mm-hmm. at least for preseason. So check that out. Whew, that's our show for tonight. Uh, I want to thank our guest. I already forgot his name. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Rice. Risman. Yes. Right. Yeah. Jeremy Rice. <laughs> I thank for him from Pride of uh, Pride of Detroit. Make sure you check out their site for all the Lions coverage for their side of this game. Their thoughts on the Steelers afterwards and whether or not they're going to trade for Mason Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as uh, for our side, make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're listening to all our podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who comments on the live chat. We have a great time reading your comments. And as always, have a great week. And let's go Steelers. <laughs>